What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord today. And uh, I trust that you brought the word with you. If you've not brought the word, uh, you can use your iPhone or your iPad or even Google this morning uh, God's word as we look at it together. And so I want to invite you to be ready to look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. And we'll be there about verse 17 or 18 um, in just a moment as we uh, just kind of continue our study from from last week. But I, I just want to welcome uh, by the way, man, did they do an awesome job this morning? Our worship team and the, the choir and everybody, thank you so much for just preparing and the table for us as we're just breaking the bread of life this morning and recognizing our Savior in this special Sunday morning. I want to just welcome our district superintendent, his lovely wife and beautiful daughter. And would you guys stand for just a moment? This is our leader here in Southern California for the District Church of the Nazarene. And I just want to welcome you guys and thank you for coming here today. And happy Easter to you. I, I pray that you have an awesome Easter and a great lunch and whatever you have planned. But God will bless you greatly. Amen. Uh, part of my celebration, I have to do this, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you know, you've heard uh, Heidi and I, we are grandparents for the very first time. And so early this morning, I got a picture. Uh, there's one first I want to show you. It's just kind of a fun picture. This is my daughter-in-law, Jackie, our daughter-in-law, Jackie, our little uh, grandbaby that's going to be one May 13th. Uh, that's Riley. And this is this morning. Look at this. That's this morning at church. So they're on the East Coast. They had church like three hours ago. And the kids sent us this picture. This is Riley in her Easter dress. So I had to share that with you this morning. And uh, that's our grandchild. We're going to be with her here in a couple of weeks. And we're looking forward to that. So anyhow, pray for Riley. Would you do that for me as, as she grows? Um, again, if you have God's, we're going to be in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for a little bit. But before I, I look at that, and we have some things to cover. I want to begin with a little story of a, a little boy by the name of Ernst, who's about five years of age. And uh, they had traveled. They were in, lived in California, and they were traveling to Grandma's house to Arizona. And so they're, they're at Grandma's house for Easter, and I love this. They're at Grandma's house for Easter, and he's just five years of age. And they're sitting around the table for Easter lunch, and, and they're filling their plates up. And, and then they're getting ready for prayer. And little Ernst, the five-year-old boy, he just starts eating. And his dad says, wait a minute, we need to say grapes. And kind of in a, chipper voice, in a chipper voice, he said, no, no, we don't. And his mom said, yes, we do. You know, we pray before every meal in our house. And then he smiled. He said, well, we're at grandma's house and grandma knows how to cook. <laughs> I mean, kids, they know how to say it simply and clearly. And that's what I love about the Apostle Paul. He knows how to say it simply and clearly. And he does that when it comes to the cross of Christ. In fact, last Sunday, as we were moving into Holy Week, we began this, this study on the cross of Christ. And, and we're going to look at that. But, you know, we, we know, we understand that Easter, of course, is about the resurrection of Christ. And, of course, Good Friday is his crucifixion, his death. And we recognize that in our Good Friday service. But coming back to the idea or the conversation in regards to the cross of Christ, we need to take some time, I believe, and understand you know, what it means when we say the cross or talk about the cross. And, and in fact, we know that the cross has been used as a, a fashion symbol down through the centuries. I mean, people wear the cross. The crosses have adorned the top of buildings and crosses have been in pictures. And we understand that. Unfortunately, we even know that crosses have been on banners as people went into war. 
And we know, unfortunately, that even in the name of God and, and Jesus, people have done some terrible things. And, and we need to understand that in context because there are probably portions of our population, even now today, that fully do not understand, you know, the symbol of the cross because they've not experienced it or understood it as we have as believers in Jesus Christ. So, so what I propose that this morning, We need to understand the power of the cross. And those are not my words. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul, the power of the cross. And so today I want to give you a simple message on the power of the cross and how it conquers death, which really answers the question you see on the bulletin there. What does it mean that Jesus conquered death? Well, well, Jesus conquered death in the cross. It was by the cross and in the power of the cross that Jesus conquers death. And, of course, in his resurrection, he takes away the sting of death. And so we understand that when we ask the question, I mean, what does it mean when Jesus Christ conquers death? So if you will, let's go to First Corinthians chapter one. And remember, we're saying it simply and clearly like the kids show us. And Paul is very simply writing about the gospel of Christ. In fact, let's begin to read the first part of this. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, if we're talking about the power of the cross, we have to understand what the gospel means. The gospel is about the event that we are celebrating this morning. The gospel is the birth of Jesus Christ and and the crucifixion of Christ, his death and, of course, his burial and the resurrection of Christ that we celebrate this morning. You see, this encapsulate the message of the gospel of Christ that Pastor Vic was alluding to as he was leading us in the sacrament, the Holy Eucharist, as we understand what the gospel of Christ means. So we understand that we need to know that when we read this passage for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now, when I talk about the power of the cross, it is not just for semantics or rhetoric, you know, for the the art of oratory. But Paul is he's giving us something. And remember, we, we have reminders of God's activity in human history. Remember the rainbow I mentioned last Sunday that. There is this evidence, this symbol of uh, God's involvement in human history. And, of course, the oil and the oil representing the Holy Spirit and the power of God among us. And, And then, of course, this morning we come back to the idea of the cross of Christ. And so we have the reminders that God is involved in the activity of human history. And the significant part of this passage is that it is that it is God's part that makes the difference. Because God's part is that God is breaking into human history when we talk about Easter. Did did you know that? It is God breaking into human history once again and God revealing himself as he did 2000 years ago, as he is this morning. And folks, it's not our power. It's not our abilities. It's not our self-help. It's not our organizing or our skill set. It's not us even doing good for all the world to see as that kind of is a fad right now because our human efforts will leave us empty. It's not us. It is something more. It is something that we cannot answer or cannot do because the answer is Jesus. Christ. Hallelujah. That's what the power of the cross represents. Go back to the passage now. Go with me to the passage. For the message of the cross, this is the last verse, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So understand this. For those that have the blinders on, those that are not yet getting it, they're not yet processing it, it is foolishness. We talk about the power of the cross. They say, well, what does that mean? 
But yet to those that that are being saved, those that understand, those that have partaken of, of course, the blood and the body of Christ. And we understand that we receive the power of God in the cross. Now, here's my purpose statement for today's sermon. The power of the cross. Here it is. The power of the cross conquers death and overcomes everything else. You believe that this morning? Say amen. Amen. The power of the cross conquers death and and overcomes everything else. So the power of the cross gives me hope in the most secure future. You you see, peace and security, it's not a mystery. Peace and security, it's not a a lottery ticket that we buy and then, oh, hey, all of a sudden, hey, I have peace and security in life. It is not something that 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 we're guessing at. It is it is not a multitude of options. If we make this decision, then this we have this reality. We follow this path and there's another reality like multiple options or hundreds of realities. It's not that at all. It is one reality is one truth. And that is the power of the cross of Jesus Christ that brings everlasting life. Hallelujah. That's what the power of the cross means. You see, for Jesus, he is leading us. He is pointing us towards a reward that is in heaven when he talks about the future. In fact, Jesus himself puts an emphasis on the idea of heaven, on the idea that there is life after death. I heard Pastor Jeff preach a message just a few Sundays ago, and the whole focus of the message was that there is such a thing as life after death. I mean, think about that. We may not think about it very often, but I think as believers, we need to think about that reality that there is there is life after death. And we need to ponder on the idea. What what does that mean? What is the ramification? I mean, if there's life after death, what does that mean for me? And how is my relationship, you know, with God really doing? Because, you see, the power of the cross points us towards this reality. Jesus is gently moving us towards this reality. And we see it in the Sermon on the Mount because he mentions heaven here and and part of conquering death. Remember the question we started with. Part of conquering death is knowing that there is heaven that is yet to come. Did you hear that? Part of conquering death is to know that there's heaven that is yet to come. See how Jesus moves us this direction in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Let's turn there together this morning if you have God's word. Again, uh, look up Matthew chapter 6. We're going to verse 19 through 21. And then I want to invite you to go to Isaiah chapter 25. So get your finger there. We're going to work a little bit together here on the word. So go go to Isaiah chapter 25 after we go to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to begin to listen uh, to to this idea that Jesus is talking about, about heaven. So go to Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19. And here's what he says in the Sermon on the Mount. Imagine he's sitting down, he's giving a sermon now, and he's talking about, of course, not only truth and life, but even heaven. So here we go. Verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven. Or moths, you know, where moths and uh, vermin do, do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, listen to that, for where your treasure is, is, there your heart will be also. He's talking about a place. He's talking about heaven. He's talking about our treasures that are in heaven. And folks, heaven is a reality and heaven is a place. And I don't know about you, but I want to go there. 
And then we go to Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8. Look at that with me this morning. Go to Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8. We read there, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth and all of her shame and all of her brokenness. Why? Because heaven is a place and I want to go there. I don't know about you, but man, God wants to do something new in us. And the promise is heaven. In fact, go to another passage. Let's go to Revelation. Let's go to Revelation. And we go to Revelation chapter 21. Put your finger there. We're also going to Revelation chapter 22. So let's begin in Revelation chapter 21. Go to Revelation chapter 21. We're going to look at verse 4 and 5. And then we'll go to Revelation chapter 22 as it is defining heaven for us. I mean, just imagine what heaven is going to be like. This is the promise. And so, again, Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Here's the promise. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Can you imagine that? For the old order of things has passed away. That's what Pastor Vic was leading us in as we are taking communion together. That there is this new covenant. There is this new hope that we have in Jesus. Those old things will be passed away. Verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making a new thing. Now, I don't know about you, but I love new things. I love the smell of a new car. I love a new house. I love newness in life. I love I I love newness in my family. I love having newness in my spirit. God wants to do a new thing. How many believe that? Raise your hand this morning. Amen. God wants to do a new thing. That's what Easter is about. What am I saying? I'm saying that heaven is a place and man, I want to go there. How about you? And then we go to Revelation chapter 22, looking at verse 5. I mean, listen to what heaven is going to be like. It says, there will be no more night. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. And man, I love the sun. Yesterday, we had about 30 of us that were going door to door and we're hanging up, you know, flyers and tracks and the Jesus film to invite people to come to our church on, on Easter. And man, what a beautiful day yesterday. The sun was shining and there was a gentle breeze. And, and man, I love the, the feel of the sun on our face and on our shoulders. And it's awesome living in San Diego. I love the sun. But imagine what heaven is going to be like. There will be no no more need for the sun. There will be no need for electricity or a lamp. Because there will be the light and the glory of the Lord that will be shining upon us. Man, heaven is a place and I want to go there. I don't know about you. Here's what we can say. We can say that Jesus conquered death because there is something better than life. We're saying, how did Jesus conquer death? We can say he conquered death because we know the promise is there's something that's better than this life. We can say that when we know that this life is not all that there is, that we are not just another organic creature, but we are a created creation in God's image, that eternity with our creator is going to be spectacular. I'm wondering, maybe this is this is why, you know, the Apostle Paul was able to write to the Philippians You know, in spite of all the challenges that he faced and and the ministry that he labored in and and sometimes in vain. I mean, in Paul, we see all the best of him, I think, in the epistles. And there is no allusion there to or he alludes to some difficult times. I mean, the shipwreck and the heartaches that he went through. But you can imagine this is maybe why Paul was able to write for me to live is for me to live as Christ. 
For me to live is to labor and for me to live is ministry. And then what is the second part of that? For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain because heaven is a place and I want to go there. Amen. You see, we recognize that there is power in the cross of Christ. I mean, how do we have victory over death? We have victory over death because of the power of the cross. And what I want to say that this this is wise. This is having a wiser attitude, not wiser as W.I.S.E.R., but wiser W.I.S.R., which is an acronym that I want to mention this morning, a wiser attitude, which means, number one, the power of the cross is the winning combination. Now, I don't know about you, Tim. I love to win. I love being on a winning team. I love making the shot. I love crossing the line. I love hitting the home run. My wife and I, her birthday was yesterday, by the way, my wife's birthday. And we went to the Padres game and they did a terrible job. (laughs) And we left like three, three innings before the game was over. And and we just were not having a good time because they weren't winning. I mean, we love to be be on the winning team. And folks, the power of the cross is the winning combination for life. Now, I don't know, maybe you've been searching for that. Maybe you've been looking for the winning combination. Well, the winning combination for life, the answer for life, is Jesus Christ. It's the power of the cross. Hallelujah. The, the winning combination for life is in the power of the cross that invests in our eternity. So the I in Weiser, W-I-S-R, the I is that it invests in our eternity. That Jesus, the, the, that Christ has invested in your eternity. In fact, in, in John 3.16, remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We are reminded that those that believe in Christ have everlasting life. In John 3.36, what does it say there? We read there. We read that whoever believes in the Son, that's the requirement. Belief in the Son, belief in Jesus Christ. If we believe in Christ, we have everlasting life. That is the message of Easter. In John chapter 14, verse 6, remember Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. If you want to make it to the Father, if you want to make it to heaven, if you want to have everlasting life, we have everlasting life by knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Amen. So you see, the power of the cross is the winning combination The power of the cross invests in your eternity. And then the power of the cross shows us that there is no friend like Jesus Christ. There's no friend like Christ. Proverbs, we read that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that friend is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will never let you down. He will never leave you out. Jesus Christ will always lift you up. And Jesus Christ will always be present. There is no friend. Can I say it loud enough? There is no friend like Jesus Christ. And you see the power of the cross promises us, shows us that there's no friend like Jesus Christ. And the last, the R, the power of the cross recognizes that Jesus invests in you, that Jesus brings value to your life, and you want to have value in life? You really want to have purpose and value in life? Like I was talking to the kids this morning with the empty bag, that Jesus fills us up. He gives us value in life. I remember as a a young kid growing up, a young teenager, I was a tiny little 100-pound, really 98-pound, pale-skinned weakling. And folks, I had very little self-esteem. 
No credit to Tony Miller, all credit to Jesus. But I met Jesus as my personal savior. And that pale skinned little boy, all of a sudden my chest began to swell, not in myself, but it began to swell because I had value in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ adds value and brings value to your life. And we recognize this. This is the power of the cross. And it's in the resurrection of Christ that we're set free and that we're forgiven and that we're loved and we can love others. It's in the power of the cross that we are free to live under God's blessing, as we were talking about in our communion time, under God's blessing in the power of the cross. And by the way, Jesus is not about being religious. The power of the cross is not about about religion at all. I'll never forget in our early years, my wife and I, we were pastoring in a little town called Kimberly, Idaho, and and uh, we had a beautiful little church there, a wonderful congregation, and I'll never forget this young couple that came to our church, I, I think it was on Easter, and they visited because a friend, some friends had invited them, and, and they had a couple little kids, but uh, they, they uh, as I got to know them, uh, I learned that they are very, very religious people. In fact, they, they were probably more religious than us. I mean, they were very faithful and very active. And they gave and gave and gave. And, and they were very religious people. But I'll never forget a couple of weeks after that Easter service, the wife came back to church and she was sitting in the back listening. And I could tell as I was preaching and speaking, I mean, her ears were really perked up. Her eyes were open. She was really taking it in. And then she came back a couple weeks later and then a couple weeks later after that and kind of became regular in about a three-month period. And I'll never forget that, that, that Sunday morning when she came back and at the end of the service, uh, we used an altar quite often back then. That's this bench right here. We called it an altar. And I've invited people, if they wanted to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to come to the altar. And she came to the altar and I went down I knelt with her and she was weeping and crying. And this was one of the most religious people I'd ever met in my life. But there was something that was missing, folks. And what was missing was relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, that's the power of the cross. It does that. And then a few weeks later, her husband came. And he ended up at the altar. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And the power of the cross transformed his life. And they began to live for Jesus Christ. That's what the power of the cross does. It's not religion. It's not just attending church. You see, attending church does not make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. It just does not work. The transforming power of Jesus Christ is in the power of the cross. That's what we're celebrating this morning. And I don't know what's going on in your heart or your life, but Jesus loves you this morning. And Jesus wants to insert eternity into your hope and your future. Jesus Christ wants to give you power for spiritual Christian living to glorify him. He wants to give you peace. He wants to take your empty bag, as the little kids showed us this morning. And he wants to fill it up. He wants to fill your bag this morning. He wants to fill your cup to overflowing. And I want to invite us to just claim that. This is not going to be anything public. It's very private. Very private between you and the Lord. I want to invite us just to bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's do that this morning. Bow our heads and close our eyes. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you, God, for answered prayer. I thank you, Lord, that you've come here. You're present today. I sense your presence. And, Lord, you've come here to fill us up, to forgive us and to wash us clean and to show us mercy.
We understand that the word in the power of the cross, it is the winning combination for life. And there's somebody here that's been trying to figure the combination out. They've been looking for some kind of answer. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would give them that answer and they would just turn to you right now. Not because the pastor even says so, but it's because your spirit is speaking to them in their heart and they feel that tug on their heartstring right now. And so with their heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite you privately there in your chair, just between you and God. I want to invite you just in your mind right now. Just begin to pray and say, Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, I want to walk with you. Jesus, I, I'm asking you right now to come into my life, much like that young couple did that was very religious, but they didn't have a relationship with you. I pray that, Father, that you would come in now and this relationship with you would begin and it would become very personal and, and sometimes even private. And so, Father, I pray right now that you'd speak to that heart right now that's praying Our eyes are closed. Nobody looking around. And you're whispering that prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Help me with my life. Lord Jesus, I love you today. I choose you today. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you, Father, for hearing that prayer right now. Thank you, Lord, for answering this prayer. Thank you, God, for saving us today. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.